Hello and welcome to The Big Chat, a podcast that champions individuals and businesses at the heart of their communities. Um, Making sure they understand how accountable they need to be in the business, but being positive throughout so that they literally love what they do. I think magazines will always be around. I think there'll always be a market for them. I think advertisers like being on paper. But in another way, it actually gave me that time to really grow and develop and, um, yeah, build it, basically. We try to communicate more with clients than most accountants do. The Big Chat. This is all about collaboration and giving people in our towns the chance to have their say, their way. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, It's Nicole here and it feels like it's been a bit of a long time but here we are and welcome to this week's episode of The Big Chat and uh, this is as always a very special one but extra special because I'm going to be talking to someone very special to our town and it's Polly. Polly from the Pickering Cancer Drop-In Centre has come to join us today. She's going to tell us about everything she's been up to, everything that she's doing, and there's a lot to cover. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to waste any more time talking, and I'm going to let her say hello to all of you. Hello, Polly. Hello, Nicole. (laughs) Hello, everybody out there. I love all of you. You have all been so supportive of our charity and I cannot tell you how much we love you as a community all the businesses you have meant so much to our charity that we set up um, it was two years in the making and 17 years we've been working now Um, and the charity is run um, actually it's our engine is love and it's so important to people with cancer Mm. because having gone through it myself is when I discovered the missing link for the emotional side of cancer. There just wasn't the support out there. Um, My family was struggling. My husband couldn't deal with it at all. So I had to leave cancer outside the door and be jolly polly when I went inside the door at home. Um, And I think that's what gave me the passion when we heard 19 years ago about the Maggie Centres. And I was a patient representative for the multidisciplinary team. And we were asked, uh, 10 of us going through cancer, to give our story from diagnosis going into hospital. And we put together a video of each of our stories, all from different walks of life. And mine, being from working class, um, was different in the way that I didn't realise the effect cancer has on people. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just the uh, disease itself, but the uh, financial side. So before I could accept the fact that I'd got cancer, I had to go to see the bank manager, to CAB to get support for um, how I can cope because my husband, being registered disabled, um, was obviously on low income. Um, But I have to say that cancer has taught me so much and I like to take the positive out of everything and the positive that I got from cancer was how valuable life is 
how valuable time is, how valuable people are, and all of our surroundings. And I think that today people are just like engines. They're like robots. Mm. They don't notice what's going on around them. They don't notice nature. And I think the positive I got from COVID was that it's brought communities together. Mm. And being 76, when I was young, um, community was very special and we all looked after each other. And that's something that I have found so important um, and the positive I take from COVID. Apart from the fact I didn't get it, but it got my body. Mm. I grew bigger and bigger because I was locked up for a year um, and being locked up and running the centre from home mm. um, does take a toll on you because we're working with uh, true emotion but the support and the love that Pickering and all of my volunteers have given throughout the last two years has been phenomenal. Um, volunteers are all special but the Pickering Cancer Drop-In Centre volunteers are even more special because they're dealing with deep emotion. And to give your time for somebody else, and that's a valuable thing too with the charity, I refuse to pay anybody. And that's what makes us special, that for 17 years we have run with volunteers past and present that have given time free to show people that they do care and they're there because it's not a paid job of work and the payment that we get is the response and the words that get said to us from the people that come to us I would never want to be paid to do the job of work that we're doing it's so valuable and we put together um a, a card beautiful yeah you've brought this in today i love it it's, it's our aims beautiful. values and principles because yeah. people kept saying to us well what is the charity mm. what is it all about so we put it all together in our own words and we put the greatest gift is time mm. um love and hugs so valuable the importance of a hug i can tell you that when i hug people especially my young ones, I can feel their pain and I can take some of that pain off of them mm. by a hug. Mm. Home is where the heart is and our home that we managed to buy in the November just before we were closed down, I think is special because we're totally self-funding and the only donations we get from the NHS are patients. Mm. But we're very happy. We, we don't... We're lucky that we don't have to turn anybody away because um, we have volunteer therapists who also give all their services free. And so when they come to our centre, they don't have any to worry about any financial problems at all. We set a SMAR fund up a few years ago um, because I struggled financially when I was going through it. And so I know the pain mm. of not just having cancer itself, 
but the pain of keeping the family going together and how you're going to pay the rent or the mortgage, how you're going to buy a school uniform. And Pickering's been lucky enough to have sponsors that so love us that they donate to our Smile Fund. And we do a lot of fundraising ourselves, and we have a lot of fun as well. Because mm. one of the special things for healing the emotional side is laughter. Yeah. And I think that's something that we bring a lot into at Pickering. It's not a gloomy place. Um, the walls are pink, the carpet's red, and I call it my marshmallow home. <laughs> because <laughs> even, even the men, when they come in, love it. Because I call it our hugging walls. Yeah. And as we know, the softness of colour, mm. colours are very special and very healing. So mm. all of our therapy rooms have healing colours as well. And the whole ethos of our charity is to give people time, to give them love and give them support. And it's everything that they really need. Mm. And if they have trouble with the hospital, um, with the NHS, um, in appointments or they're not hearing quickly, I will give the hospital a call and speak to the appropriate people. And I have to say, they are very good. They do help and they do get onto the case straight away. Because waiting for appointments, waiting for answers and things is very stressful. Mm. But sometimes you do have to wait because there's certain things that when a biopsy has been taken, there's a process mm. that it has to go through and people don't, they're not always aware of that. So we can step in then and they can come into us and have a hug and talk it all through with us. And they come in in tears. We turn the tears to smiles. And when they go out of that door, they go out with laughter. Mm. And the amount of times that people have said, oh, my goodness, I feel so much better now. And that's what Pickering does to people. It just lets them know that they can still smile. It is okay. Mm. And the value of life, sometimes when they're terminally ill, we help them to accept that fact. That, But life being so valuable, don't waste it. You know, and we do uh, a lot of charity events that are full of fun. And believe me, I don't care what I wear or what I dress up in. Um, if it makes people laugh. And I've always been a clown. <laughs> and the reason I was a clown was because when I was at school, and I want the children to listen to this because this was like 70 years ago, I was bullied. And I was bullied profusely. So in all those years ago, bullying went on. Mm -hmm. But we were of an era where you kept things to yourself and you, you learned to deal with it yourself. And I learned to deal with the fact that people laughed at me. So I became a clown. So they laughed with me. And that's what helped me through life, mm -hmm. seeing how valuable laughter is to people. And that bullies are sometimes very sad people yeah. So learn to understand why they're bullying and it helps you 
and it helps you recover yourself from being bullied. And that is something that I found that a bully is an unhappy person. That's a huge, I mean, that's a huge thing, Polly, because personally myself with my children, what I've been trying to teach them about bullying is that it comes from the sadness. Sometimes mm. there may be things, it doesn't excuse behavior, but it, it says more about them than mm. it does about you, which is what you're saying. Yeah. And that's incredibly empathic of you that you, even back all those years ago, you took that on board and you dealt with that that way. Yeah. And you still managed to find joy and probably sometimes at the expense of yourself, but then you made that into, I can relate to that. I can be a bit of a clown myself and I certainly would much rather make people laugh than cry. Exactly. Um, but it, take me back to that because you're you're such a passionate person. You're, like I said, when I met up with you recently at charity event, we were thanking volunteers, weren't we, at Calvary yeah. Park, uh, the TWU local, to mm. thank volunteers for all their help. And it was lovely to meet you in person finally. I've wanted to talk to you for such a long time. When my father had cancer, uh, I desperately wanted him to come and see you. I really did. I, I'd you'd see you, I'd see you all over the place. I'd see, <laughs> see you popping up and... He had cancer for a long, long time, on and off his whole life. And he lived alone. And it was very hard for me being the only person really down this end. My family lived away that was having to support him. Mm. And all the things that go with that, like you say, the hospital appointments, the finances, just the strain. All my team experienced me having to sort of dash out the door at the last, just, and the emotional stress. Mm. But most of it was just him being on his own and the sadness that the he was loneliness. feeling. And I couldn't couldn't be there for him all the time. I couldn't help him all the time. No. And I really wanted him to talk to people that could relate. Yeah. Because I couldn't. I could be his daughter, but I couldn't ultimately mm. relate to what he was going through. I, I mean, that is such a gift that you offer people, that they can literally drop in and, and talk to you about anything and everything. Where was this, you, you talk about when it started, so 19 years ago, 19 years ago, and you talk about you had cancer and your husband had cancer. What, what was the, when was the moment that you sort of knew that you really wanted to do something? Because you're obviously very strong. Um, I think it was right at the beginning when um, I used to go to the support groups at the hospital. Mm. And we used to have so much fun. And usually I was the clown and we made, I've always known the value of making people laugh, mm. um, which, as I said, I learned at a young age. Um, and also, I used to tell children, um, especially young girls, if they weren't the way that it says on social media, they should look. And I used to say to them, listen, beauty becomes within if anybody's horrible, you tell them you was born inside out like I was. <laughs> and uh, they used to, it used to make them chuckle. Mm. But it's so true. Just because somebody appears beautiful on the outside does not mean to say that person is beautiful. Because I've known many through my life that are so pretty, but are so unhappy. Yeah. It doesn't always bring happiness. And it's trying to get the youngsters today understand mm. that doesn't matter how you look, it's the sort of person that you are and it's what you can give. If you give something of yourself, that's a gift. 
So did you recognise in yourself then, listening to you say that, that there was something that you could do, that there was a strength and a resilience that you have? Oh, yes. And you, because, I mean, look, I mean, you're you're a beauty and you're 76. I mean, this is like, I, I just love the fact that you're 76 and you run rings around me when you come in. And, I mean... I've I've had a couple of poly hugs now and I can vouch they are epic and they just make me feel glorious. Did you realise that you had something there that was a gift? Because it is a gift that you could make people feel better about being who they are. I Yes, I think too. Um, my father was um, in the medical corps during the war and he used to tell me stories when I was a little girl mm. always fascinated by medical sort of things and he used to tell me the stories when they were on the front line looking after the soldiers that were severely injured and the words that they used to the last words that they used to say would be calling for their mum and my father used to say they he'd hold their hands and just talk you know, gently and lovingly to them and how special that is. And I think it's having um, a family. We mm. didn't have much money, but we had a lot of love. Mm. And I think growing up, when you, you're growing up with that love, my mother, uh, her story would have made a beautiful Kathleen Cookson film. Um, she was such a character as well. And... Um, I think that's a lot of it was in my genes. Mm. But having cancer knocks you sideways. And I remember when they mentioned to me that that's what I'd got, I just turned to ice inside. Uh, it took me about a month to come to terms with it. But I had a long chat with myself one night. Night times were awful um, because the silence the darkness, the little door in your head would open and you'd question, where is this going to take me? Um, and then I thought, right, well, it's not going to kill me. I'm, de you know, definite about that. Um, and I think that's when I learned, don't let the cancer control you. You mm. control it and keep your head as, and it's not easy. And a lot of people, when you're spoken to and they say oh stay positive um really you try when you're told it is very hard but it's something that you have to learn yourself everybody mm. is very different mm. everybody um takes that uh word differently as well so we're working with a lot of different personalities within the charity but when I did hear about these centres. I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this will be amazing. So we had the support of one of the consultants who, um, when we told, when, when I told them at the meet, one of the meetings that this is what we wanted to do after we'd put a video together telling our stories, 10 of us, that this is what we wanted to do. Um, David Pickering, who we've named it after, was sitting next to me. And he said, oh, my God, that's a brilliant idea. And then, unfortunately, he died not long afterwards um, of a massive heart attack. Mm. Um, but they replaced him with four people. 
And what I remember about Dr Pickering was he was my oncologist, mm. was how he made me laugh. Because in the old days, you had to be photographed. Mm. And when you've got a doctor and a nurse photographing your boobs, believe me, you have to take humour mm. from that because it is so personal. Yeah. And lucky my personality could do that. Um, but I just remember what a lovely guy he was and how he made me feel. And then when, after I was told that I had the cancer, I went back into the cubicle on my own and I'll never forget the nurse, um, Trudel, her name was, very unusual name. She came in and she looked at me and she said, Polly, would you like a hug? I said, yes, please. And I never forgot the hug. And apparently she'd had breast cancer and she told me that she never forgot the hug that the nurse gave her. And I think that was when I realised how important a hug can be. Mm. There's hugs and there's hugs. Mm. And um, we've had a lot of people come into the centre that <clears throat> are not tactile and are not hugging people they will sit bolt upright. But I can tell you, by the time I've finished with them, they're jelly in my arms. <laughs> and that is so important. And they realise then that their tenseness yeah. is not doing them any good. Yeah. Um, I think with experience of 17 years of looking after people so deeply, so emotionally... Um, and we don't just talk about the cancer. Mm. It's really um, strange. And it's like I say to people when they come and sit on their own and talk to me um, before they can go on then to have one of our counsellors and all the treatments. It's like putting a plunger in them mm. and just sucking all the layers out of them that over the years they've pushed down inside because they haven't felt they wanted to talk about it. And sometimes we will lift the layers one at a time until you get to the top layer, which is the cancer itself. And that is something over the years that I have learnt is so important, is lifting all of the negative things that have happened in their life and from childhood sometimes. Yeah. Um, and how at last... Whether it's because I'm an old lady, uh, a grandma figure, that they feel that they can do that um, with ease. But it's something that I'm just so pleased and thankful that I've been able to do it with so many people because some of the thing things that they have kept inside them, my goodness, needed to be mm. released. And I think that sometimes you can actually see why some of them have ended up with cancer. Yeah. Because, as we know, stress yeah. can be a, a, a big force in um, cancer mm. and heart disease. So I think with the centre, it's taught all of the volunteers and myself um, so much. It's been a big... It's been like a dictionary, that, that word. Mm. Um, and it 
really just shows you how special that giving someone time and listening to them and really listening to them and not looking at the watch yeah like a surgeon did to me when I wanted to talk and obviously they're on a time scale so I suppressed everything and pushed it down inside me so everything that we've got in here mm. in our card are all the things that we've experienced and are what we have found and you see with us money is not is a means and not a motivator mm. and our finances the reason we're lucky as a charity we don't have to pay wages mm. um, and a lot of charities obviously do so every penny raised for us doesn't matter how small it is is valuable because all we have to raise the money for is to keep the center running yeah um, we're not a charity that is motivated in uh, merchandise because the importance of Pickering is other people that come through our door. Yeah. And that is the value uh, and the energy that we save for merely that. And you've, you've got so much energy and so much warmth. I mean, you've, you've I saw you do a TEDx talk. I said to you that I saw you speak at TEDx a few years ago at the Assembly Halls and was really moved by you then because I think anyone that meets you and certainly all your volunteers and your wonderful team of people that love and adore you you're just so open Polly you're just and I'm gonna get emotional now you when you came in this morning you said just get emotional if you need to get emotional you do and you just and that's important to let emotion out absolutely it's so important to let the emotion go because when you suppress it it's (laughs) you know I'm looking at you and just talking to you Nicole, I'm releasing things. I know. What are you doing to me, Polly? No, but <laughs> it's so valuable, darling. Yeah. And also the fact that people can see how it works. Yeah. And it's visual. Yeah. So it's it is so important. And I'm gonna give you a blooming big hug in a minute. <laughs> I like a hug. As you know, I like a hug. I think as well, what I wanted to ask you is um because I think what's interesting to me is that you're so open and this must take its toll a little bit on you. Like you've got such a big heart because, yeah, sometimes it's for some people when we help other people, we find we suppress our own emotion and mm. we sort of give it to everyone else, but we suppress our own. How have you, you know, how have you dealt with that over the years? Because you must be handling a lot of other people's emotion and a lot of other people's energy, which is a beautiful thing. But it's, it's sometimes it's your own emotion can take a, a, a back step on those things. Well, I'm sure you know what I'm talking I about. I do know what you're talking <laughs> about. Um, well, when I f- we first set the, ch- the charity up in 2004 um, in the homeopathic hospital, the first three families we had walked through the door were something else. And when... Our idea of setting up was just a room, buddying each other, tea and coffee, not into the charity that we have now, Yeah, which is phenomenal. Mm. I am so proud of the volunteers, but not just my volunteers, our sponsors. Yeah. Um, they are 
uh, it really is a community charity because without the support of the community and the business guys, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. But I remember going home after these three families came in and they were really pretty heartbreaking. Mm. And um, I sat down and had a chat with myself and I said, right, now, how are you going to deal with this? So I processed it all and I thought, look what I got out of giving these people a hug, mm. making them see like... This one, I'll never forget, he came in, the whole family, his daughter and his wife, and they had just been told he'd got six months to live. And I looked at him and I said, oh, get your diary out. He said, I've already done it, Polly. He'd worked it out, and in six months he'd written down, today I die. So I said, well, you watch, because I can tell you that... The holistic side of healing somebody, the emotional side, goes hand in hand yeah. with the medical side. Yeah. So conventional and complementary do work. Yeah. And he lived two and a half years beyond that. Wow. And we've had so many like that yeah. at the beginning that were told they got three months, yeah. this month, not one of them. And I've got somebody now who's very, very special. And she was given a short time um, 15 months ago. Mm. And she's still here. It's very powerful. And my, my father had cancer when he was very young, before my brother and sister and I were born, and was told he could never have children. And he was one of 10 people having therapy. And he was the only one that survived the radiotherapy. And he was told, he, he's, he, he used to tell me a story. He was sitting at a Christmas table with my mum and his family mm. and just thought, this is the last Christmas I'm ever going to be here. But mm. then he literally had a, almost like you're saying, this kind of thought where he was like, no, actually, no, mm. no. And he was lucky. He he went on to have three children and a marriage with my mum. And mm. so life went on. And then he got sick again. And he actually had to have a liver transplant. He had cancer. He had liver disease. He had all sorts of things going on. And he was told again that he wasn't going to live. And, I mean, it was getting a bit of a joke, to be honest, Polly. Because mm. we'd go to the doctors and there'd be like these massive books yeah. of all the things that he'd had with him. But he was he was determined. And he was also not just determined, but he was so positive. Even though he was a pain in the butt, my dad, and he's given me many traumas, yeah. he was always so positive. And he went on to live another 10 years. Mm. He saw my brother, my sister, and I all get married and all of our grandchildren be born. And then he realized that he'd had enough and he checked out. And I truly believe that with him because he, but he was always happy and mm. upbeat and he never complained about all the pain he was in. It was mm. all, I was always incredibly proud of him for that because he, must have been in excruciating pain and really sad, but he never ever put any of that on any of us. He, he didn't. He felt sorry for himself at times, but comparable to the times he was mm. a, he was a, sick, they were very few and far between. And I do think that that had a lot to do with him sustaining his. Yeah, absolutely. He, he had work still to do. Mm. And he hung around. And he had a family. And he had a family and he had support. And that, and also you talking about that support was such a, for me, an incredibly eye-opening thing. I actually went on to be a yoga teacher for 12 years after my dad got sick because I wanted to help people. Mm. Because what I realized was there were people that just didn't have families. They didn't have 
anyone that could actually support them or or you know take them anywhere it was absolutely crazy but with with you guys that's exactly exact, polly's phone is sorry, ringing sorry everybody. it's all right it's a very important call it's fine it is actually but i will call are them you sure back. i will call them <laughs> so but what what we're saying is that it's it's that that kind of a support network again that you offer because with with dad we would have to quite often make many many phone calls many many conversations mm. about many things and if he'd not had us i don't know what he would have done no and this is the and this again is the support just all of it you know time the love and the hugs the home is where the heart is mm. the money is not the motivator all these things yeah. that you're offering supporting is amazing and and the the thing is as well um to show you the need for it we cover a very vast area. We're not just local anymore. We get phone calls. Um, we have somebody coming to us from Gravesend at the moment. Yeah. We have um, the London hospitals refer them to us. Uh, Brighton. Wow. We've had people from Eastbourne Hospital. Um, they come from Rochester, mm. Hastings, um, I even had a family a few years ago, five in the family, from the other side of London. And I said to them about the Maggie centres, but yeah. they said it wasn't quite what they wanted. Mm. And so they came down to us. Um, and the other thing with us is we say about time. Yeah, We have stayed, if somebody walks in our door and they've just been told, which a lot do, the minute they're told, they will come straight to us if we're, we're there. Um, you can't say to them, oh, right, it's four o'clock, we're closed. We have sat there sometimes till half past seven at night mm. with them until we feel that they have fully been listened to and realise that we can support them with it and hold their hand through it. And I think... That is something that's so special to people. Yeah. And until people have gone through something like this, like many people say, if I say to them at many occasions we go to, have you heard of us? And they say, no, uh, I haven't. But then I haven't had the need. Um, you think, I haven't had the need for many things, but I still take it on board. Mm. and you still support charities mm. um, and it, people's personalities and their characters um, I'm very interested in psychology of the mind and how people's minds work and how they can differ mm. and a lot of it is because they're so frightened definitely and a lot of uh, people that come into us often say that they found out they're true friends. Mm. But what they don't realise is the ones they don't think are true friends are petrified. Yeah. And we say to them, that's why we're there for close friends and family. Because boy, oh boy, they are affected. And I know that even more now because I lost my husband of cancer mm. um, eight years ago. I'm sorry. So I have... I know both sides of the coin. Yeah. I've had it and also lost someone dear to me yeah. and watched him die slowly of cancer. So I have deep empathy yeah. 
with both sides of it now. And I think that is quite valuable um, for me in supporting people because so many say uh, about sympathy, it's not sympathy. And I can say, no, it isn't. You don't need sympathy, you want empathy. Yeah. And you want people that fully understand. And kindness is what I'm hearing from you, Polly, because even people when they, like you say, maybe you feel like your friends aren't there or in, mm. in any times of hardship, sometimes it feels like people aren't around us when we really need them. Absolutely. But again, yeah. it's that thing that possibly it's more about them than you. Yeah. It's something else. It is. And it, it's, it's time. It's yeah. like, um, that's why I say that it taught me how valuable time is yeah. to give to somebody. Yeah. Because I've had people, and <laughs> one, one that will make you laugh, and I'm glad she's in Tenerife at the moment so she won't see this, <laughs> but it's my sister. She'll have all the time in the world. She's absolutely adorable, and I love her to bits. And um, we are so different, chalk and cheese. She'll be on the phone to her friends for hours, and she'll be on the phone to me for two seconds. Are you all right? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. And bye, I'll call you later. And I always have a joke with Caroline about it. Um, who's hiding in a corner over there? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, and she also makes me think about the value of time. Yeah. And uh, but no, there's there's all things through life that you can look look at, you can take on board, and. It's an absolute eye-opener how yeah. important it is. And the passion for me starting this up years ago was um, I've been fundraising now for over 40 years. Uh, I started fundraising when my eldest son had, um, both my boys had their eardrums rebuilt at Great Ormond Street Hospital and Daniel, my eldest son, was going there and um, we were all asked as parents to, if we could raise some money. And it was the start of the Wishing Well appeal. Mm. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll have a go at this. And um, I got the yellow pages and I rang jeweller up. I rang this one up, a holiday firm. And boy, oh, boy, here I am on the telephone, just a mum giving a story mm -hmm. and saying that my son is a patient at Great Orm Street. And I ended up with some phenomenal prizes. And um, I wanted to raise £250. That was my goal. And we ended up raising uh, £2,750. And wow. that was a lot of money in those yes, days. Yes, I bet. And I can still see Mr. Evans, the um, surgeon, when my Daniel presented it to him. And he looked at it and he went to Dan. Boy, that is a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because you're passionate about what you're doing. And I think people can, you know, t t being involved in charity events myself, it's, if you're passionate, people... They feel that passion, Polly. Well, you I, know. Think, I think I just love talking, though, Nicole. There's I, that as well. Yes, there is. <laughs> My father said years ago, he said, if ever they had to transplant tongues, nobody would ever cope with mine. 
<laughs> so I think I might have been included in that conversation. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about some fun things you've been doing. So when people come along to the Pickering Centre, things that you can do with, you know, to lift people's spirits, fundraising things, but also things that you get involved with within your community. Community. Yeah. Well, we, we've got art therapists and um, they're brilliant and people love it. And um, one of them, she's been doing Zoom art. Oh, okay. With um, sometimes up to eight people. Yeah. Which they love. And then we have another one, Doran, who every other week, because at the moment we're running from Solomons, who have very kindly donated us a room until we can get back into the centre, which hopefully will be in two or three weeks. Brilliant. Um, we've just had it all gutted. Uh, hasn't cost us a penny. Wing Canton have decorated it. Brewers donated me all the paint. Oh, wow. And a very special friend of Pickering, um, Peter Eisted, because I couldn't get a red carpet from Marks and Spencers or one of Wincanton's clients, uh, Peter got his carpet guy who had red carpet. I have to have red. <laughs> and um, so, yes, that was laid this week. And next week, new furniture, which is being donated by Marks and Spencers, is going to be delivered then we can open. Amazing. And we've also been sponsored with very generous person, £5,000 to redesign our garden back and front. Wow. And that is how special our place is. Yeah. And I found with the fundraising how much I loved it. And um, I was then asked to raise money with my youngest son, Lawrence, was two months old and he was tongue-tied and he had an operation at Kenton Sussex in the Rainbow Ward. Mm -hmm. And this war little ward orderly, she came over to me and she said, oh, you look like someone that will help us raise some money for a laser. Um, and I thought, right. So I rang Thames Television and asked them if they'd donate me the Bungles outfit <laughs> um, from Rainbow. And they said, yes, I could have the old one. So that Bungles outfit helped us raise, and this is now, must be 30 years ago, uh, or thereabouts, we, we raised £10,500 towards a laser yeah. for the ENT yeah. at um, the Rainbow Ward, Kent and Sussex Hospital. And the fun, I had all my friends dressed up as nurses. But in this Bungles outfit, I didn't need any padding. And this guy who was um, special needs, obviously loved Bungles. And he came over to me and he was stroking me. And I had to be careful because I thought if he realises that I'm a woman, <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> so my friends, all dressed as nurses, had to come and protect me from him. Um, Sebastian Coe was opening the new sports shop that was there, and his manager came out and said, Sebastian said, can he borrow you, and can you go in and be photographed with him? So we went in there. Yeah. Oh, we've met some people, I tell you, Nicole. I bet. 
I've met the Queen. She's the only person that shut me up. I couldn't speak. <laughs> she, she said to me, are you all right, my dear? <laughs> and I thought, what do you think? I'm in front of the Queen of England. Oh. She's the only person where I've been gobsmacked. I could not, just couldn't speak. Yeah. And couldn't get over how stunning a person she is. Yeah. Um, but no, getting back to the fundraising. See, this is what I do. I go off track. You're all right. Because there's so much to talk about. That's okay. But the fundraising side, I absolutely loved mm. and raised quite a few pennies over the years for different things um, and just absolutely loved it. And so that's when we were raising money for Pickering because obviously you can't set a charity up without any money. And I was going through cancer at the same time as Gloria Honeyford's daughter Karen mm. and I'd written to Gloria and Karen had died and they wrote back to me and said why don't I put in for a donation from the Karen Keating Trust because Gloria said they were giving a thousand pounds out to local charities mm. well even Gloria was gobsmacked because she tried to call me to tell me herself bless her um they gave me £10,000, wow. which was a lot of money. Mm. And then Aerodance um, chose us, our charity, and said to me, we'll raise at least five and a half. They raised us £11,500. Wow. And that was the time that Dame Kelly Holmes got the two gold medals. And that was the time that I got cancer on my other breast. So when I did a talk at Home and House School thanking them, I said, I actually feel like Kelly Holmes and my two gold medals are here. Oh. And that's when Kelly and I became friends. Yeah. Um, and she is now our patron. Which is amazing. Uh, for the centre. And she is a lovely, lovely person. And as you know, she's suffered yeah. with um, illness from depression and everything in her little life. And it just goes to show you that doesn't matter how special a person you are, uh, mental illness can still affect you. Absolutely. And I think something with Pickering as well we have become a bit like social services. Yeah. Where in the past we've dealt with mental illness, which we are still dealing with. Mm. Um, also, I know for a fact in 17 years, I can say that we've saved three marriages mm. because between partners, they don't always understand the behavior mm. of the partner with the cancer or the person with the cancer doesn't understand the partner's behaviour. Yeah. And we were able to tell them why they were either too frightened um, to hold them, to touch them. And one of the most special stories, and I did ask this couple if they minded me talking about it when I did presentations, mm. 
she'd had a double mastectomy and was so upset and said to her husband about it and his words were so touching and he said look don't worry about it I can get closer to you than ever now and I thought that was so beautiful um, thing to say as yeah. a partner yeah um, but it's all things like that over the years the words but I've had some stories um, with one of my young girls that we lost a few years ago mm -hmm. hugging me and whispering in my ear Polly I don't want to die and things like that and the reason we set up working in Calvary Park um, because one of our youngsters that was ringing because we were working from Caroline and myself were working from home on telephones two at a time sometimes going um, and she said to me Polly I just want to see you and I want a hug and she was terminal and she was very young so Caroline and I decided we'd set up in Calvary Park mm. and we had 28 turn up at the first session and my young girl and this was during Covid and that's how special our volunteers were working through it putting their life on the line and I took this youngster behind one of the trees there and she got the hug she wanted because I can tell you now, Nicole, to give people hugs when they haven't got long left. Absolutely. It's something I feel strongly about. They could throw me in prison, they could do what they want, <laughs> but I would not turn down any anybody, doesn't matter what age, but especially youngsters, to give them that hug. It's incredibly moving talking to you. and. I, like I said to you, we're going to, we're going to have a, at the soapbox next year, we're going to have a big chat soapbox with big red lips. So what, what better way to, to, we're going to let all the uh, carts raise for their individual charities as well as the hospice. And we would love to support you next year. That would be wonderful. Because just hearing more about what you're doing and all the good work you do, I'm sorry it's taken so long for us to sit down and have this chat but I'm excited for what we can do together in the future because I think it's brilliant what you do oh, and thank you. I just yeah I just I just love everything about you guys and would love to get more involved in any way if people want to find out more about you what do they I mean it's not hard to find you Polly you're everywhere <laughs> which is great but where's the best place for them to go is it best Best to go to the website or to what? Wh what's the best way for them to find you? Um, the best way to find us is go to the website. Yeah. Um, or come and find us. Soon we'll be back in probably three weeks. Yeah. We'll be back at the centre in Monson Road. Amazing. And um, do you know what? My head must have shrunk. This is <laughs> keep falling off. <laughs> You look great. You Do look I. fabulous. Oh. So they can drop into the centre, Monson Road and Tunbridge Wells. They can drop into the Road or they can get my telephone number, yeah. 
which I don't know what it is. <laughs> you can get the telephone number probably from the website. We might not put the telephone number out on this episode. <laughs> I think you get enough calls as it is. You might need a little bit of a breather just for today. I but... do not mind how many <laughs> I people know you don't. call I us. I know you don't. Um, because every one of those calls is special and we will find time for all of you. You're amazing, Polly. And our door will be open for you all soon. And we'll be back four days a week. But I must say a massive thank you to you, Nicole. I'm so pleased oh. we've met up with you. <laughs> Me too. Because I've always wanted to be involved in that soapbox. <laughs> you only had to say. Well, no. <laughs> well, you're going to be now. So you're going you're gonna to be in all its glory. It's, you know, we as you know, the red lips are quite iconic. So red is... We, we could even get some marshmallows involved, maybe. Yes. You said about yeah. marshmallows. Maybe we could have some marshmallows popping out the top or something. You said it's like a big marshmallow there. Yes. But we'll do some stuff together. Cause I, I, and I'm, as you know, I'm all about hugs. So yes. from one hugger to another, thank yeah. you so much for coming in. And thank you so much for everything you do for everybody. Oh, thank and you. And your wonderful team. I know how much they mean to you. And we, oh, my goodness. We could talk all day. We could. I could talk forever about the centre because I'm so proud I know. of the team and the community and my businessmen and yeah. I love them all so much because they have, um, like yourself today, this means a lot because I can talk about Pickering and yeah. people know that that's the one thing. It's not all about money with us. No, we want to get... It's about the networking. People and need to know what you're so, doing. So, yeah, this yeah. with you today is as valuable to me as a £10 note. It's my absolute pleasure and honour, honestly. Oh, love you, you to bits. So it's lovely to see you. I love you too. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. We'll have another chat. Yeah, but not. We'll do. We'll do another chat. So, But thank you so much, Polly. It's lovely oh, to see you. Thank you, Nicole. Love Even you made lots. me cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah.